listening to Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed, the people's podcast. We are here to rock the podcast world. Right here again for another episode of Hattrick and Ramsey Unleashed. Today, coming up on the show, we had an interview with Mike Crockhart, the Lib- Dem- Liberal Democrat MP for Edinburgh West, um, with myself in the Hattrick answer- asking a few questions um, for a short, a short interview because the guy is obviously extremely busy, <clears throat> as a lot of the politicians are at the moment doing campaigning. Uh, trying to get the public's vote and to persuade um, them to basically put the X in the box. Um, but I want to, just before we go into, um, before we come up to the interview, we talk about a little bit of new stuff, I just happened to find something about, which I think is uh, about Mike, but something that's happened via, it's a bit very sly regarding the way the SMP had done something in an area of Edinburgh West there's a, a road called Corstorphan St John's Road and literally there's two shop fronts like little shops but they're office shops they're camp, uh, consti- constituency offices what you'd call them on the left you've got an SNP office for called Margaret Thompson um, and on the other on the right you've got Mike Crockhart's office and basically, this what has been happened. What has happened? What has been happened? What has happened? Um, um, the SNP are basically um, Michelle Thompson has basically in a, a false claim in a letter has been going around simply telling um, housing develop, housing develop, developments that Mike Crockhart is retiring. Obviously, he's. Uh, the, these pair, even though one's SNP and one's Liberal Democrats, they used to, Michelle Thompson used to be uh, Mike Crockhart's boss when they worked at a company called Standard Life. And the latest spat bet- or fight between them is that um, simply because she put in some letter or going around saying that he was retiring, um, which is absolutely dumbfounded because he's simply, obviously he is simply pissed off at this which I would be uh, that is a I say that is why technically you may think you like you want to vote SNP for the, for Scotland or but they've got some disgusting tactics how they're doing this to try and uh, basically make people oh my printer is decided to go bonkers on me well I'm recording a podcast this is wonderful uh not good. So as I said, uh, my printer just totally went wonky there for some reason. It started warming up uh, right beside me as I was recording. Nothing worse. Um, but anyway, as I was saying, uh, um, so basically, the, just to give you a rough idea of what's been said, it was in the local evening news in Edinburgh. Um, he's, uh, he also demanded Miss Thompson correct the mistake in her letter and ensure nothing else is published with similar inaccurate information. Mike Crockett was elected as a constituency MP five years ago with a majority of 3,803 over Labour. He said it was being brought to my attention that the SNP candidate for Edinburgh West recently sent a letter to voters across Edinburgh which twice referred to me as a retiring MP. 
I find that's actually disgusting, actually. I mean, no, nobody should be saying that regarding somebody. I mean, this is dirty tactics, typical SNP. And I'm, I'm, I say this now because I think SNP, because they didn't get what they got in the referendum, and I'm saying they think they're just using some really dirty tactics and they're starting to get found out. I know you may, people who are SNP, you want to answer all the easy questions, but these are the facts. There's a lot of going on, dirtiness going on. There's a dirtiness going on in any political party in some way or form. There is... I suppose it's not easy to uh, to find out who to believe, really. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's you, you go for who you, you go for, and eventually, at the end of the day, when you put, come to that putting that X in the box, that's who you go for because you make up your own mind. And maybe yes, politics. There's I don't think there is anything that's clean cut, but there is. It's just I think it's been tarnished a long, long time ago. Uh, but I'm sure in many parts of politics there's some genuine and fantastic people who do do a good job and are very genuine uh, and I'm not going to take that away from those people uh, but I think there's a lot of people who maybe tarnish the fellow political colleagues whether depending on what party they're from uh, within the, the political uh, society if you want to call that in the UK but uh, I find that story that's just uh, outrageous for a guy who um, I, I say I'm not a lib a major Lib Dem fan for me, but I do find that in one positive say for myself, for for parts of Edinburgh which have been in a constituency and what they've been doing, they've actually done okay. They've done they've stood up for things. That I mentioned we mentioned in an interview he the a friend of mine who she lives lives in a council house uh, and a lot of the council houses were getting uh, renovated. Um, they were basically, and a lot of them got new kitchens, new bathrooms, that kind of thing. Uh, a, bit of paint, a bit of painting done, because uh, it's part the the upgrade things gradually. And uh, because she was kind of left out, and she was, um, her, um, I think, and because I'm not well, okay, I'm going to say because she is African, she is black. She's been here a while. She's got three kids, but she was kind of left out. So she obviously went to Mike Crockhart. Uh, and uh, basically to state her case because, and obviously with, with the fantastic help of him and uh, his his colleagues or whatever and writing it, she managed to, she's now got a new, new kitchen uh, fitted, refurbished and uh, bathroom um, basically through all this and I think this just proves I think sometimes the council can actually f favour who they want and actually just avoid people for some either because they could be um, okay I'm saying they potentially could be racist or they just for some reason and I think that's just disgusting and how some people are treated and you have to get your local MP to push to get things done which I think is ridiculous uh, that's what I would say but um, but anyway going back to uh, going back to some new stories that's one of the new stories what I was just talking about Excuse me, another one, which I, a bit of strange news, which is very, very good. Uh, there's, um, well, not strange news, I would say it actually happens quite a lot. A lot of pets get stolen, a lot of dogs. And uh, a Yorkshire Terrier happened to flag down a, an RSPCA van. Uh, a dog stolen from its owner, then abandoned more than 100 miles from its home, has been rescued after stopping a passing RSPCA van. Alfie ran into the middle of a country road uh, in Gerrards, crossed Buckinghamshire, and bar barked at Inspector Stephanie Law's van to, uh, to get her to pull over. 
Miss Law stopped and the Yorkshire Terrier jumped in as soon as they opened the door. The RSPC officer scanned the dog's microchip to find out its owner's address and discovered the seven-year-old dog had been stolen from a house in West Midlands on the 21st of March. She said, um, I have had plenty of people uh, wave me down to help, but I have never actually flagged down by a dog in need of a rescue before. Uh, this proves that I mean, uh, microchipping for your animals is essential if your dog gets stolen or a pet, a cat or something gets stolen, at least they can track track it and find out where it actually is. So it's important, get your, get your dog's microchipped or your cat's microchipped. So if somebody does come and does steal your pet, which I think is disgusting how people are doing that, and um, please do, as in hopefully you'll get returned and found um, in, the, in due course. But also, um, I was going to talk about something else, but I'm going to talk about another we interviewed somebody else today in our podcast, which uh, it was it was, a, it was a very I want to admit it was a very off the cuff podcast, but I'll discuss that later. And but I did have um, yeah yeah I was going to discuss something else. I was changing. I was just having thinking. You know, when you just sort of think, oh, what did I talk about this or don't don't talk about it. But in this case, I'm going to hang off a second. Um, but we are. I was today getting myself fitted for a kilt. I can kilt these days, my words, it's not cheap. It's nearly the best part of a hundred quid, yeah, or a hundred pounds, or if you want to, say 85 pounds is probably between a hundred and a hundred and fifty dollars to hire a kilt to fill outfit. So it's uh, not easy to say the least, but uh, obviously to get looking myself, looking smart for my friend's wedding coming up, because I'm the best man, looking a bit uh, nice and have a nice clean shave. And uh, it would be great. Okay, and you can smooth. Yeah, so that's <laughs> good. Got to look the part. Got to look the part from for the for the man he's getting married and his wife. You know, because he's gonna get some. Hey, baby, 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 hey, baby, baby, hey, baby, baby. La 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 la. Ooh, no, no. Anyway, <laughs> it's amazing how bonkers you can get when the sun's out. But no. It's been it's it was a good day today. Um, going back to a little bit of politics, I said I know it's been a bit jumpy around and feeling a bit cool and ready to talk to the people around the world. Um, political leaders debate in Scotland la- the last two nights. Um, certainly, ha- certainly a lot of handbags at fifty bases, to say the least. Um, first one was just the main leaders of Lib Dems, Labour, SNP, and Tory, or the Conservative Party. Second one had your added Greens and UKIP. Um, probably could personally probably just should have done. I don't. I should just done one. I don't think. I don't see the point of doing two. Um, I thought one would have just been enough in having all of the the, the leaders. Technically, the Green Party didn't have a clue either. Anyway, um, I would personally say I did think David Coburn was maybe out of his depth a little because he really just talked about it's, uh, I think I would say for him I think I've, we did interview the guy in a podcast and they say maybe he just really talked about Europe and immigration and stuff which I did find maybe it was, I think you can talk about so much um, Greens just didn't have a clue they actually don't have a clue <laughs> uh, I say personally essentially they want to try and raise the minimum wage by 10 quid and they just don't have the really say, well, let's put the minimum wage up to 10 pounds an hour. Brilliant! Oh, have a word. How are you, <coughs> you going to subsidise that? Is this 
not thought this through at all, half of them. Basically, yes, it'd be great if the minimum wage was up. It would be fantastic, but the knock-on effects to um, knock-on effects to businesses and all that is not great. Keep the minimum, keep, by all means, keep the minimum wage as it is, but just drop the tax threshold. Make the tax threshold a lot bigger, so you don't have to worry about it. You're not, you're, the lesser tax you pay, the more money you're going to have in your pocket. So you won't need to be on the minimum wage too so high. So it's obviously it's an obvious thing to. Uh, to do, and I think, I mean, yes, Britain is on a bit of a recovery, whether you believe that or not, uh, whether come this general election and if Tory win the majority again, and I would probably say that it would be, I think it would be actually not a bad idea to have the same again, Tory Lib Dem coalition, maybe you disagree with that, I think it's, um, would be, They've, see, they've started something. They've, obviously, Lib Dems are in the best position they've ever been in, the, in their political career. I don't think they're going to be... Um, maybe get that again in their lifetime. They might do if they do a coalition. If Tory do well, they get in our coalition. I don't see why... why uh, I mean, I don't see why they can't carry on what they've started and trying to achieve. But you think, obviously, it sounds like they've, they've started something and maybe they need another five years to actually complete it. It's not going to be easy, um, but now they, I mean, the mean, this political, political map, come the election is just totally wide open, and we just simply do not know who is going to be um, running the really the roost come, uh, basically after the election. So it's uh, all up in there, and it's all the battle lines are pretty much there. Everyone's campaigning, uh, everyone's doing well. S and P are doing a bit dirty tricks and trying to. Presume somebody's retiring when he's not, so uh, that and uh, it's all. I think Nicola Sturgeon is certainly getting found out regarding her seven point seven odd million or um, tax hole. So it's all uh, it's all happening. <laughs> so uh, I would just say it's going to be extremely interesting in the next few weeks, to say the least. But um, anyway, I was going to come back to our interview. Um, interview with. Mike Rockart, um, and it was a, a really good interview, fantastic for the guy to give, give, give us his time, a uh, very pleasant guy to chat to, and I'm sure he's had 101,000 101, interviews over the last um, a, few, a few days or a few weeks, uh, he's probably interviewed out, <laughs> by, by, he's probably like dreaming his interviews when he goes to bed at night, uh, because he's had so many, but it has been good to interview somebody so high profile and it's been a pleasure, it was a pleasure to chat to him. Good morning and welcome to the Hatrick and Ramsey Unleashed podcast. We're here to interview Lib Dem MP Mike Crockert from Edinburgh West. So thank you for coming to the show. You're welcome. Thank you. So we're here to interview Mike regarding the upcoming general election in Edinburgh and how he is prepared for... um, basically with campaigning, etc. So we're going to ask him a few questions and find out what his tactics are of uh, trying to persuade people to vote for him. So here's the first question. Yeah. Well, now that the election campaign is well underway, um, what do you think your chances are of keeping your seat and giving a good victory for the area for you um, to, to, to stand for another five years? I think um, it's quite clear locally that um, it, it is a two-horse race between me and the SNP. It's, it's really coming down to a rerun of the referendum, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, politics has uh, got a bit stuck in, in Scotland. It hasn't really moved on from the referendum. 
Um, so, you know, going on the, out in the doors, there's a lot of people who are very worried about the prospects of a, yeah. uh, an SNP surge, uh, many SNP MPs at Parliament, and a, and a second referendum. Yeah. So there's quite a, a, a large number of Conservative and Labour voters who come across to vote for me to yeah. to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, yeah, yeah my, my chances are very good at the moment. Well, that's good. I mean, as you say, there seems to be this um, surge in support for the SNP in certain areas of Scotland, mm. um, and it, it, it's the, what our kind of thing is how how do you feel you can beat them? What's what do you think is your major kind of policy idea that, that might uh, that you think will win people over? Well, the way to beat them is to um, highlight the good that we have done for the UK economy. Mm. So, looking at the, the creation of one hundred seventy four thousand jobs in Scotland alone, one point yeah. eight five million across the UK. UK inflation now at zero percent, which is amazing. Really. Absolutely, I mean you can't get Absolutely. cheaper than that. Really. Um, <laughs> and you know um, the cost of living beginning to come down as yeah. we see the growth in in real terms. You know disposable income and take home pay, yeah. um, and two point six percent growth, which is amongst yeah. the the largest growth in any of the developed economies. Yeah. At the same time, we need to um, you know be quite clear about what the SNP's yeah. uh, record is in in yeah. government in Scotland because. And for the last few, few years, they have been so focused on independence, yeah. and all of their backbenchers have been whipped to within an inch of their lives to not yeah. ask difficult questions, yeah. but effectively, they've taken their eye off the ball on things like um, the formation of Police Scotland, yeah. uh, they've missed cancer waiting time targets, yeah. um, they've uh, taken away 140,000 college places, yeah. and so there's lots of things that we can yeah. highlight that, that show... The, the problems in SNP government and yeah. also the, the benefits of having coalition government in the, in the UK. Yeah, because they, they're, they're always wanting to talk about, um, you know, that they want, they want to actually end austerity. Um, and most people think now, well, how can, you know, that's not going to happen. You know, you have to do that to be in charge of your, to balance the books. Um, but it seems like they, they seem to be able to ignore that or, or they seem to have that kind of propaganda that they can ignore it and it's not going to have any effect on the markets. I mean, if you're not, if you, I, I'm certainly from my point of view, if you suddenly say, well, we're, just, we're not going to, we're, we're very relaxed about balancing the books, the markets are going to say, hang on a minute, that's yeah. not, you're not, your lending rates are going to go up straight away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's why we went into coalition. Um, you know, five years ago, hmm. it was quite clear that the money markets were worried yeah. about um, you know the, the prospects for stable government. Yeah. We were able to deliver stable government um, yeah. and look at the, the rates of yeah. uh, borrowing that we have in the UK now yeah. as, a, as yeah. a result. Yeah. yeah. Well, would you uh, <clears throat> obviously Lib Dems have been in the best best place they have been in the last five years that they've ever been in their whole public existence. I mean. You'd never have thought... In terms of implementing policies, yeah. yes. Yeah. You'd, never, you'd never have thought that you'd be actually be physically in a coalition in a government because... No, when I was a candidate in 2010, it was the last thing I expected. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't expect to be in government, and I certainly didn't expect to be in a coalition government with the Conservative Party. Yeah. That would, have, that would have probably been my, my <laughs> least likely scenario at the end of the election. But, but you know, there well, that's what people voted for. So yeah. you, you get on and you, and you do it. You know what's best for the country, so yeah. you, you get on and work with it. Would you say that, I mean, obviously at the very beginning there was obviously still a bit of, kind of tit for tat and there was, I think there was a little bit of, kind of scolding, but realistically in, in the broader picture, you, I mean, I bet you're thinking, well, we're actually in government, we probably never get given our, our kidney or something just to be in this place. Well, a long time ago. Well, exactly. I, mean, I, I was elected in 2010 and went straight into government and actually um, pretty much went straight into a government role as parliamentary private secretary in the, in the Scotland office. 
Um, contrast that with Alan Beath, who's standing down this time. Yeah. He was elected for the first time in 1974 yeah, yeah, and had spent understand. that entire time yeah. in opposition. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, so <laughs> um, you, you take your chances when you when they come along, even if they don't come along very often. Okay. Yeah. What would you say is your biggest policy that, you, that, you're, that you've been able to implement in the time of your coalition? Well, I think the one that was on the front of our manifesto last time round, which was raising the personal tax allowance. You know, mm-hmm. we wanted it raised to 10,000. Yeah. Um, you know, folk will remember the, the leadership debates last time round yeah. when um, David Cameron said, well, we'd love to do that, Nick, but we simply can't afford it. Well, yeah. as of uh, last week, it's yeah. now 10,600. Yeah. Uh, by this time next year, it will be 11,000. And our yeah. policy um, for the next five years is to get that up to 12,500, yeah. which will effectively take people, anybody earning yeah. the national minimum wage, out of yeah. paying tax altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's your ver- I mean, the moment with, I'm guessing you watched the last two Scottish leaders' debates from mm. uh, last couple of nights. Absolutely. I mean, per- what's your version on the minimum wage? I mean, Nicola Sturgeon was saying that she wants the minimum wage up to £8.70 an hour, mm. and the Greens are totally delusional, wanting £10 <clears> an hour. I mean, how is that going to support, I mean, I'm a, for example, me, we're being a small business, I mean, how are you going to, you can't just subsidise that, you end up being businesses at a local bust, and, or you're just going to say to the employers, buy, I can't afford you, the employees, sorry, I can't afford you because when the wage is too high, I'm going to lose no profit, really. And you can't, if your clients are not going to pay that, how are you going to, you never subsidise that. Well, what, what's the, um, the leaders that uh, make these kind of overinflated claims about um, what we're going to do for the national minimum wage, they have failed to tell anybody, is of course that the national minimum wage isn't set by government. It's yeah. set by the Low Pay Commission, an independent yeah. body that was set up at arm's length, the government, precisely so that it wouldn't be the, you know, the whim of government that would decide what the national yeah. minimum wage is. Yeah. Now, there's, there's difficulties there because um, Low Pay Commission have to look at the economy as a whole at the moment. Yeah. And yeah. there's an argument, I think, that um, you know, certain sectors, and the one that's always quoted is hairdressers, that yeah. certain sectors cannot manage to support a, a higher national minimum wage. Yeah. But to be frank, there are plenty of sectors that can. Yeah. So, you know, we've argued, um, I, I've, I've certainly argued with the Local Pay Commission when we had them in front of the Scottish Affairs Select Committee, that mm-hmm. they should be looking at the economy on a sectoral basis yeah. and saying, right, OK, well, let's put hair, hairdressers to one side for a yeah. moment. We can't have a higher national minimum wage for that industry, perhaps, but there's certainly other yeah. industries where... You know the the um, that industry is booming where it can support a, na- a minimum wage which yeah. is higher, and that that should be allowed to to happen, because we do need to get to a stage, and perhaps this is a, a target that we need to set for the Low Pay Commission. We need do need to get to a stage where um, we we are ending the ridiculous situation where um, we give benefits uh, to low paid in order to subsidise companies. Uh, I mean, it's effectively a, a benefit yeah. system for industry. Um, you know, and if we're if we're trying to deal with the benefit system, um, you know, for individuals as a whole, and, and getting the, the cost of that down, then we need to look at the benefit system for industry, and effectively, yeah. um, you know, tax credits, um, you know, all, all sorts of benefits that we pay low paid people, you know, yeah. those those costs should, uh, in the fullness of time, if industry can bear it, uh, without yeah. it affecting um, employment rates, those those costs should be borne by industry. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's um, um, <coughs> in terms of um, obviously with the, the euro crisis still kind of being 
um, you know, apparent and with Greece going through a lot of problems. Do you think Greece, um, you know, well, the, many, many people have said there's a possibility that Greece might fall out of the euro, maybe even this mm. year. Um, do you think that could again have a bit of an effect over the next five years for any potential coalition or government for, for Britain? Uh, I think anybody who predicts what's going to happen with Greece is a fool, to be honest. Um, can, do I think that Greece will leave the Euros? I don't think it will, because although you know there's lots of things going on at the moment with Cyprus going off and, and speaking to Putin in Russia, mm. and perhaps looking for a bit of a, a help from from Russia. Russia is not the power that it, it once was. Yeah. It you know its economy is in a pretty poor state, so the yeah. idea that Russia is going to step in and um, and help Greece in return for Greece perhaps um, putting a spanner in the works for um, the potential of sanctions on, on Russia for what's going on in Ukraine. You know, they're great stories. It's a great yeah. conspiracy theory, but it's just simply not going to happen because Russia don't have the economic power to be able to help Greece. Yeah. Greece knows that the only place that it's going to get significant financial help is from the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and for all of the, the things that it has promised its own people, yeah. um, we, we already see a softening of, of that approach yeah. and a realisation that, in actual fact, if you want to rebuild your economy, you need the help of the, the major strong economies that are your uh, your major trading partners and your near neighbours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will bring change, I think, in, in Greece over, over the course of time. Would you, would you, for the European Union, do you think that with the amount of money that Britain are spending on the European Union, should we just have a trade, de- a trade deal and use the money that we're be saving and use it in the country, or, or use it at home? Yeah, we get huge, huge benefits from, from being... A member of the largest um, single market of, it, of its sort in the in the world, and um, what we need to do is is complete that single market. You know, we, we have it in in traded goods, but not so much in in services, uh, of which you know our uh, the UK economy is the strongest in in the world. We need to push ahead and, and complete that single market rather than uh, you know withdrawing from it. And the, the reality is, if you if you remove yourselves from a market, it doesn't matter whether you have a a, a trade deal or not, there, there will be a, a trend of divergence um, in the regulations that, that you have with those of your um, your trading partners. You know, we, we would have seen that um, in an independent Scotland, otherwise what's the point of becoming independent in, in the first place? So um, it's quite clear that, uh, that, you know, that that's not a good idea. Okay, we're back. Right. <laughs> so, how, how do you? I was going to How do you find? Uh, what was it? I was going to ask you. It was on the radio. You were actually going up against your old boss because yes. you used to work at Standard Life. Yes. Who is that? M- Michelle Thompson. Is, yeah, she was my line manager at Standard Life for a couple of years. Wow. Way, way back in. Ooh, this was back in the year two thousand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get. I've been trying to. We tried to actually get her for an interview as well, or maybe uh, as an, a, a a duo. But uh, obviously, they don't be getting a hold of them. Yeah. I like to make myself available. Well, I'd like to say, well, actually, I have a friend who you actually sings your praises, actually. You seem to have helped her uh, regarding her house, because obviously mm-hmm. the council weren't. Uh, you got Marianne Enrique. Oh, yes. She, yes, rates, you very, well. she rates you very highly. Yeah, it's had a lot of issues, but she, uh, I, think we, I think we won in the end. But, uh, yeah, because uh, her flat wasn't, kind of everyone else got their flat uh, redone by the council, mm. and they seemed to sort of avoid her like the plague. Yeah. Uh, and you basically. You've yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that is a large part of the, the job. Yeah. It's, it's throwing your weight around and, and writing, you know, difficult letters and, and trying to unblock. 
um, situations where people aren't don't feel like they are getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, the reality of politics is you know we do have a devolved situation where a lot of the things, in fact, you would pretty may well be the majority of things that people come to me um, to for help with aren't necessarily the responsibility of Westminster. It's more likely to be council issues or things like health, um, you know, the, the responsibility of the Scottish Government. But if somebody has got to the point where they're so frustrated that they need help, I'm not going to send them away and say, no, that's somebody else's job to help yeah. yeah. well, what's your What's your verdict on the... I mean, obviously, Edinburgh, the moment you've got, we've got a sort of Labour, SNP sort of council... Mm. Uh, 20 mile an hour speed limits and it's 2.2 million on road signs or wherever and the roads are you're basically I mean, there's craters yeah. and there's the, the roads are better in Spain and other 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 worlds yeah. other places in the world and we're like it's crazy it's, mm. what do you think of that I mean is 2.2 million well spent or should there be 2.2 million fixing these roads well to be honest 2.2 million is a bit of a drop in the ocean for what needs to be spent on fixing the roads because uh, the backlog is, is uh, I think it was Estimated as running at two hundred and seventy million wow, for, for Edinburgh's roads, goodness. so two point two million yeah, really going to yeah. cover it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's arguments on both sides for this because um, having a twenty mile per hour speed limit does increase safety. It does make it easier for people to cycle. It does make it easier for kids to to walk to school. You know, so there's a lot of very good arguments for um, twenty mile per hour zones. Um, what we had before, which was having them round about schools, you know, I think yeah. that was a good thing. Most Perhaps that, that, that could have yeah. that yeah. could have been extended, you know, to make it uh, wider. Uh, but perhaps you know some of the, some of the roads that are uh, zoned now for getting twenty mile per hour speed limits, you know, there's, there's an argument for looking at it. But to be frank, with the congestion that we have in Edinburgh, um, yeah. twenty mile per hour is a is a yeah, uh, hopeful aim yeah, yeah, um, for St John's Road and Queensferry Road when it comes to what um, do you, the end of the day. Yeah. Why, I mean, I think, well, I think personally, I think Wilson, a part of he uh, says that, he says there's too many traffic lights. Traffic lights are taking away perfectly good roundabouts, which is the flow of traffic in Edinburgh, which is causing congestion. I mean, if you look at St John's Road... Well, I mean, it is a bit of a science, because, yeah. um, you know, at least with traffic lights, you can you can phase it... Um, you know, to give certain amount of time for traffic coming in different directions, given different times of the day, whereas a roundabout, you know, you, you will know as, as well as I do, if you, if you end up at the roundabout coming from the wrong direction at the wrong time, there's yeah. just not a I mean, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. So yeah. It is a, there is a science involved there that I've, I'm not I expert think it, on that. Yeah, no, that's, I suppose it's. I was in well, Edinburgh resident for about 16 years, and because I was in the St. Leonard's area and kind of on the south side, and it certainly seemed to me like they were taking out everything that seemed to work just to put in all the stuff that then held up everybody, and there was more congestion overnight. Mm. But, but that's a whole, like, the whole traffic issue of 20 mile an hour limits. I think people would agree that. In, in school areas, yes, absolutely sensible because it does. If someone, you know, if someone has to stop for a child, it's we're more likely to be able to stop. Um, but when they start putting blanket speed limits everywhere, is it or twenty mile an hour zones on perfectly big wide roads, then it can. Yeah, if, if we want our children to walk from their house to their school, then you know that covers the vast majority of the city. To be frank, yeah. you know, So if we want to to create a safe environment for for kids to be able to do that and be able to. Cycle. We want more more people generally to be cycling yeah. to get around. Then you know you have to you have to create a safe environment and painting a bit of the road and and putting a picture you know painting a picture of a cycle a bike mm -hmm. on it 
yeah. uh, isn't really doing it. So yeah, no, um, I think if you want that, you need to take them off the road. Really, isn't it? It'd be much more sensible to have cyclists on their own areas, where away from the traffic. Yeah. I think that definitely seems to make sense. Yeah. But um, uh, well, going back to our, our main, our main topic again, we're starting to get away from scale. the SNP, but one of the, one of the <laughs> big things that they have is, you know, um, the, with the, the, the big promise is that, that, that certainly come from the SNP, they said they had enough money to pay to balance the books, and that's why they want full fiscal autonomy. And then now mm. we've heard that actually they were about 90% out on the oil revenue yeah. figures. Um, and then not just that, but maybe some of the other figures you have to question as well. Um, do you think that if, if Scotland eventually went down, went down an independent road, it would actually be able to balance its books? Um, no, uh, not in the short term. <laughs> and I think that the SNP know that. You know, they're, they're, um, it's the old uh, joke, give me chastity, but just yeah. not yet. Yes, um, yeah, well, that's yeah. what the SNP are now saying. Give me, give me full fiscal autonomy, but oh God's sake, please don't give us it now because yeah. we'd, be, we'd be sunk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we saw Nicola Sturgeon being um, questioned on it last night in the, the Scottish leaders' debates yeah. and saying exactly, you could see her squirming when yeah. she was put on the spot and said, well, would you vote for it now? You know, yeah. to get fis- f- full fiscal autonomy next year. So, well, yeah, of course we would. Yeah. Could see really not a chance would they, would they want it because, you know, there are, there are arguments that, you know, you can take different decisions, you can grow your economy in a, in a different way, you can concentrate on different industries, but that yeah. takes a long time yeah. to turn yeah. things around and create yeah. um, new industries yeah. uh, that can employ to the same level as, as the hundreds of thousands that are employed yeah in oil and gas in, yeah. in Scotland at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to be frank, um, if they want to come up with a, a policy that, that uh, makes sense, then they should be saying, you know, um, well, full fiscal autonomy maybe in 20 years' time. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, once you get yeah. to a point where you've actually replaced uh, yeah. those industries that, that yeah. are massively volatile yeah. and that are, you know, over-represented in Scotland as a part of the UK as a whole. Yeah. Because that was one of the biggest things. Everyone, you know, the, the one question that they seem to, to always seem to say is that they can balance the books that Scotland wouldn't need to borrow any more money. Well, and then well, you exactly. found out they were going to have I mean, to borrow about 12 I mean, billion. Talked, so Nicola yeah. Sturgeon last night said um, that the UK could spend 181 billion more over yeah. the course of the next parliament, but still managed to have balanced books only two to three years later. Well, That's to be frank, I'd love yeah. to see the yeah. accountants' figures and the you know yeah. the this, the um, accounts that say that how that is possible, yeah. because yeah. the the interest costs alone on that yeah. 181 billion. Because don't forget, we'd have to borrow to actually yeah. get that money. This is not money money that's sitting somewhere. Yeah. It's money yeah. that we would have to borrow. Yeah. That would be 4.7 billion pounds a year. We would be paying in extra interest. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. so it just doesn't. Where does this come from? Yeah. Yeah. Would you when it comes to well, obviously, presuming the election goes uh, goes in your favour and the, the Tories, for example, would you consider uh, another five years as a coalition with the Tories? Well, you know what? You if you're a democratic party, um, you have to accept the democratic will of mm-hmm. the the um, people and how they vote. Mm-hmm. So last time, um, the Conservatives were the largest party. Um, you know, there, there was so that's who we talked to first. You know, we said yeah. that's what we we're going to do. Uh, we did that. Uh, they came forward with credible proposals. We then, even you know, to, to be fair, went and talked to Labour, um, who, uh, to be frank, after 13 years in government, weren't interested in, in staying in government. They wanted to go and lick their wounds, have a leadership contest, and, and do things, you know, that internal politics. Um, you know, but it, like I said, if you're a democratic party, you accept the will of how people vote, and you work with it. So, to be frank, if the Conservatives are the largest party, 
um, after this election, then yes, of course we'll we'll speak to them and we'll, we'll see say, what we can we can do. Would you say that you still got with working with the plans that you've had over the last five years together? Would you say that you still got some you know, unfinished business as a plan going forward? Because obviously the main aim is to try and get the, the country back in the black in some mm. way or form. Mm. Is there still kind of plenty of work in progress? Yes. Yeah, well, well, we don't have a balanced economy. We've exactly. got, got balanced books. Yeah. Um, but what we need to do is make sure that we're doing it fairly. You know, mm. we, we are now seeing the stark difference between the Conservatives' plans and our plans going forward. So, you know, we don't see that we should have to... Um, you know, make the cuts that are left, thirty billion pounds worth of cuts that are left, that shouldn't fall disproportionately on, on the, the poorest in society. You know, Conservatives are not um, proposing a single tax rise to get any more money from the richest in society, um, you know, to, to um, finish off the job. Um, so they're veering off to the right. You know, they're they're the ones that are deviating from the economic plan that has uh, you know, helped the economy for the last five years. We need to stop them doing that and, and making sure that whilst we do balance the books, we do it in a, in a fair uh, and equitable way. OK. Well, I think yeah. that's pretty much... Um, otherwise, we'll be repeating ourselves. So that's, our, <laughs> that's great. We appreciate what, your time today. Thank you very uh, much. Just a quick question. I was going to ask you. What, what do you, as Edinburgh West, what do you... Obviously, been serving the community for the last uh, five years. Uh, what is your aim? What you? What can you? If you were to get elected again for Edinburgh West, what do you? What would you do better for this area of Edinburgh? That or what would you do better than the SNP uh, next door? Your, <laughs> or would you better than are they planning to do? Well, I would put the interests of the UK first rather than the interests of my party. Right. Um, because that my worry is that with um, too many SNP MPs in Parliament. Uh, we will have the same problems in the UK Parliament that we've had in the, in the Scottish Parliament, that um, we won't be concentrating on the things which are important to people, like getting them into jobs, um, investing in the National Health Service, um, getting to a point where we are not saddling our, the next generations with yeah. hundreds of billions of pounds worth of debt. You know, yeah. Our debt is now £1.6 trillion. Yeah. Um, we need to sort that out. We yeah. do. We don't need to pass it on to our kids and, and yeah. our grandchildren. That it should be the focus for the next parliament, not more constitutional wrangling. Whether that's yeah. on the the, um, the the constitutional setup yeah. of Scotland or indeed the UK within Europe. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time uh, for a brief interview. It's been good. It's been nice to. Thank you. So uh, it's nice to be make yourself available for us. And uh, as I said, it's like you know, here we are. We're we're hatching around here on these. We're uh, only been doing this for since October. We're uh, keen, we're just starting from scratch. We're building this up slowly but surely, and it's yes, it's great to get somebody from high high profile like yourself oh, on, thank on you. the show. It's been good. Well, thank you for your time and thank you for being part of it. And all the best for the election. Thank you. Okay, take care. Thanks again. Bye for now. Bye. All right, that was an interview with Mike Crockard, Lib Dem MP from Edinburgh. Um, we'd like to hear your views on the interview, please. Um, contact us via our email which is hatrick and ramsey unleashed actually hatrick with a t one t i should say not two t's so h-a-t-r-i-c-k and a-n-d ramsey ramsey with an a for apple y at the end at gmail.com because there's two ways of spelling ramsey and sometimes you can put two t's in hatrick so just think it's easy mistake to make so hatrick and ramsey at gmail.com um, please contact us, give us your viewpoint on the interview. 
Um, we'd love to hear from you. Contact us on our Facebook page at Hattrick and Ramsey uh, Unleashed. You'll uh, see us in our group. Uh, please, uh, if you want to join us, and um, great. Um, hope that you're enjoying what we've done so far. This will be our 45th podcast. Uh, we started it recently, and we're growing and learning by the day. I, we hope to plan. We have planned more. What I'm trying to say, we have planned. Seriously, tongue-tied in moments, bonkers. Um, brains working overdrive, trying to multitask, which doesn't work for a man. We should know that. Um, anyway, um. We have many other interviews lined up, and the hat trick is going to make some calls to the mo- people within the motorsport area. Um, and for the motorsport enthusiasts, we look forward to getting them arranged uh, and coming up in the future. Uh, so, many ideas, many plans to go forward with our podcast show. Um, so, please kick back. Um, get a cup of tea, listen up, listen to what we're chatting, if you like what we're talking about. Um, and, yeah, we're not quite going to be like loose women, because <laughs> if we're not our men, if we're loose men, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, but anyway, we are here to entertain you. We hope that you are entertained. Hope that you enjoy what we're talking about. Uh, we love enter- talking to you guys all over the world, especially in America, the UK, China, for carrying on China, and we have actually had plays from India, but we had a slight cheat in a sense because the person that's been <laughs> in India is our friend John, and he's been stuck in Goa. Um, so because Goa's in India, he's been listening to our roughly our dulcet tones on the on the airwaves. Um, regarding uh, the topics in the show. But anyway, uh, I've just had a recent good conversation on the phone with uh, somebody who's doing, looking to do podcasts as well and does co- uh, coaching, so maybe in the future maybe we uh, double link up uh, podcasts in somewhere form. Also be listening to John Gaunt. Uh, for those who, those who know John Gaunt, he was on uh, radio, Talk Sport Radio and also on uh, Sky News paper reviews, but uh, certainly a very vocal guy. Very um, how do you put it? Certainly says he speaks his mind. Uh, can be a little bit controversial, but he's just sometimes saying it as it is. Um, but he's starting in the podcast world, um, so I wish him all the best. If we can have a chat sometime, John, if you're listening, uh, we'd love to uh, chat to you, talk talk to you a bit more. Um, you you put in the contacts, um, and if you want to chat about what you about you and uh, or any really controversial subject that you love talking about uh, feel free and contact us Ramsey at gmail.com but anyway uh, I'm going to shut up from there because I hear you're fed up hearing my dulcet tones and I'll say goodbye and enjoy stay hungry stay hard peace love and hugs and enjoy the sunny weather where we've got it bye bye now